It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up, free at last, Aaron Rodgers is officially out of the NFC North. Plus, Rick Spielman compares Hendon Hooker to a former Viking fan favorite. And the Will Levis to Minnesota talks continue to heat up. It's all coming up next on a special draft edition of the Football Party. Locked on Sports Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota football party. It's your guys hanging out talking next level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings Insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota Football Party. And it starts now. Back in the lab, another edition of the Football Party on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network, your daily breakdown of everything Minnesota Vikings, which you can now find streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for and download our Lockdown Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's Sam Ekstrom on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom, co-host of the Ron Johnson Show every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Sam, officially. Just over 48 hours until round one of the 2023 NFL draft. How are you feeling? Everybody asks me because I'm the quote-unquote draft guy. Mm-hmm. How's my partner in crime feeling? How are you feeling? What's the range of emotions going on right now with you? Where are you at in the process here? Yeah, let's just get to it, right? I mean, the, the hype's getting absurd. I thought yesterday's podcast, we... And, and of course, we buy into all of it. We stoop down to the level of some of these ridiculous mock drafts, and we talk about every piece of speculation, even if we know it's absurd, but we are reaching the, the absurd stage of the proceedings. Let's get to the action. I'm ready to, uh, to find out who the Vikings are actually taking. Quick reminder, if you haven't already, go sign up for the weekly NFL Draft newsletter up on the Lockdown homepage. Punch in your email. You get all the latest news and notes surrounding the 2023 NFL Draft. Definitely not too late to sign up, by the way. This week's issue, that'll come out on Wednesday afternoon. And next week, even, all of a new issue recapping all the picks, team grades, best fits, and a little sneak preview at the 2024 class as well. Also remember, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook partner of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Okay, let's dive into the A topic here today, Sam, because it's been over 30 years since we as Vikings fans can say our biggest rival, the Green Bay Packers, haven't been able to trot out one of the rare, elite, blue-chip quarterbacks in the NFL. They got 16 Hall of Fame years from Brett Favre from 92 to 06, and then transition seamlessly, just perfectly, into Aaron Rodgers for the next 18 years. That's 34 years of never having to worry about your quarterback position in the draft or free agency every offseason. That's 34 years of, you know, never showing up to training camp with a quarterback battle or competition. 34 years of heading into every single season knowing the Super Bowl is in striking distance. And that's 34 years of just knowing every Sunday morning when you wake up from the months of September to December, you're probably 
not only going to be the favorite in far more matchups than not, but you're also in for a treat as you just sit down. You get to watch some of the best football and quarterback play any fan base has had consistently game after game, season after season. Must have been nice. So that chapter's over. The end of an era is here, or so we hope, because jury's still out on Jordan Love. I said it last week. We still don't know if this guy's any good or not, and everyone's just assuming he is from a lot of folks and fans over there in Green Bay. And yes, he was drafted in the first round, and yes, he's got what I think is a huge luxury and advantage, being able to sit for all those years behind an all-time great and just learn the nuances of the NFL. But the fact remains, the jury's still out. And apparently, by the way, Vegas isn't sold yet either because in the last 48 hours, the odds for the Packers to win the division have plummeted all the way down to dead last in the NFC North at plus 350. Sam, are the Packers actually destined to be at the bottom of the division in 2023 for the first time in what, I don't know, four decades? Are you expecting big things from Jordan Love? And just your thoughts on this long historic chapter closing once and for all in Green Bay. Well, you had the tweet of the day. I don't know if it's getting properly recognized because it is kind of a deep succession quote, but identifying the dip in the Packers' so-called stock price and then putting out the succession quote, there it is, that's dad, genius. I mean, props to you. Appreciate it, appreciate it. The Packers are the underdog to win the NFC North. That is crazy. I bet if you looked at preseason odds or off-season odds the last three decades, I don't know if you see, I don't know if you would have seen that once. Um, Now, here's the thing, though. In a bad NFC, and I think a division that where anything anything could happen, nothing would surprise me. Um, It wouldn't surprise me if the Vikings regress. It wouldn't surprise me if the the Bears progress to be a, more of a 500 team. I think the Lions are definitely in the mix, even though they lost some guys to a gambling scandal. And nothing would surprise me with the Packers. That defense that underachieved last year, Luke, still has a lot of the skeleton in place to be a very good unit. Uh, my worry is, does Jordan Love have any weapons? Like other than a pretty good running game, which they've they've kind of boasted for a while now, the passing attack is very much incumbent on young players like Christian Watson and Romeo Dubs. And I said this on the Ron Johnson show this morning. Aaron Rodgers was so demanding of his young receivers, but in that way, I think he made them better. He brought a lot out of them. And look what Christian Watson turned into under Rodgers' tutelage. Is Jordan Love going to be able to extract, you know, as much of these young receivers with, you know, the sort of the the mental telepathy, knowing where they're going to be on the field, the ball placement, the ability to work it into tight windows, the ability to check in to a play at the line of scrimmage that's going to get them open, that kind of thing. Is Jordan Love going to be able to do that? Because if not, the cupboard is bare. In Green Bay, Luke's, I would expect them, and, and we'll talk about the draft impact here, but I would expect them to surround Jordan Love with some talent here in this draft because the offensive skill positions are barren right now. It's a wasteland. Yeah, just thinking about this bigger picture, the second chapter has ended in this Green Bay book going from Favre to Rogers. It's a big mystery, though. I mean, will there be a third rendition and volume Vikings fans now have to sit through for another decade and a half 
with Jordan Love. I mean, it's eerily similar for my liking, if I'm being honest. Just like Rodgers, he gets to sit for years and years behind a Green Bay legend. And from the small sample size we got, he certainly isn't a total dumpster fire. I know that. He started at Arrowhead, I think it was last year. He started in some garbage time a little bit here and there. But is he the future in Green Bay is the question. And does he have enough tools for them to say, Yes, without a doubt, we can build a team around this guy and have Super Bowl aspirations someday. Only time will tell on that front. I thought you brought up a great point as far as just the surrounding talent. You know, on paper, by the way, I mean, those two running backs, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, on paper, top three, top two running back duo in the league, weren't very efficient. We talk about how Dalvin Cook wasn't very efficient last year weren't very efficient, didn't live up to the name brand value of that Packers running game last year anyways. So this is a draft show. I do want to talk about that trade compensation real quick. Packers don't get an additional first-round pick this year. They do swap picks on night one, so they move from 15 to 13. They also get the Jets' second-rounder this year, pick 42. And the big caveat here is if Rodgers plays in just 65% of the offensive snaps this season, the Packers will get their 2024 first round pick. So to summarize, you move up two spots in round one, an extra second, and for all intents and purposes, I think we can chalk up the Packers getting an extra first next year as well, unless stuff just hits the fan. Your thoughts on the swap itself and the impact it's going to have on this year's draft? Yeah, I think that this is a modest return Mm -hmm. for Green Bay. I don't think it's spectacular. I think that Russell Wilson kind of broke things with that deal, and this normalizes it a bit. And the Packers also didn't have a lot of leverage to to squeeze a lot out of the Jets. I think it's a disappointment for Green Bay not to get the additional Jets pick this year to have two first round picks. Um, the The conditional second next year is nice, like that'll that'll help the rebuilding effort in Green Bay if it, if it's needed considerably. Um, but I don't think it's overwhelming. Like, I don't think green, I don't think this is one of those lions or bears situations where they're sitting on a windfall of picks and uh, you have to worry about them. I don't know if I'm particularly worried about green Bay going out and building a monster with the return that they got for Aaron Rodgers. What do you think? It doesn't sound like much of a difference, 15 to 13. That could be the difference, though, in between getting the best wide receiver on the board versus the second best. Maybe a guy like Jackson Smith and Jigba, everyone's wide receiver one now becomes available. Or maybe get your hands on, say, the second best offensive lineman instead of the third best offensive lineman, a Broderick Jones or Paris Johnson Jr. from Ohio State. You know, the two teams, they leapfrog here. It's obviously the Jets for one, and then it's the Patriots. And I just look at both those teams. All three of these teams have kind of similar needs in the draft, too. All three teams need offensive line help. They all need wide receiver help. And the Patriots, probably more than the Jets, need cornerback help as well. So we'll see how it all plays out. But people laugh at the two-pick difference. But especially that high up in the order, that could be the difference between, you know, one of these blue-chip players at the top versus someone in that bottom tier. So maybe now a guy like, Even Nolan Smith, right, the athletic freak from Georgia, or Lucas Van Ness, the Iowa edge rusher. Maybe one of those guys fall in your lap now. Two stud edge rushers that maybe would have gotten sniped beforehand by a guy like Bill Belichick that now you get for the next 10 years. Second part to this, 
that extra second this year could be huge because mm-hmm. that's a top 45 pick. And in this class specifically, I think, Sam, that's another day one starter most likely. That's a, just for example, your guy, Josh Downs, that's kind of that range. A Trenton Simpson, linebacker from Clemson. A Julius Brents, who we've both been super high on. A John Michael Schmitz, who we both have talked about for the last two and a half months as center, local legend from the Gophers. There's always huge value at the top of every round two every year. And the Packers, much like how they stole, don't forget, Christian Watson last season. Now they get to add another high-level rookie to the mix. So I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but then especially when you throw in next year's first, I think if we're just thinking about it from a team-building standpoint, by the time we get to next offseason, the Packers now have added, I think, a significant amount of new, young, high-end talent early in the drafts. And without a doubt, most importantly, as you mentioned, they get to hit the reset button, too, at the quarterback position from a salary cap perspective. You go from a $50 million quarterback, Sam, now to a guy in a rookie deal. And in today's NFL, we talk about it all the time. That's the dream. Like That's what it's all about. So sure, they may be dead last in odds to win this year's division, but I think if you add in last year's class, they had two first-round picks for the Devontae Adams trade. This year, they're going to have three top 50 picks. Next year, they're going to have three top 50 picks as well, most likely somewhere in that range. You just add those classes on top of one another. I know this year, again, for a guy like Aaron Rodgers and the big brand name value, doesn't feel like a ton of compensation. But when you get next year's pick on top of it and you just stack these three drafts in a row, last year's 2022, 2023, and 2024, With Jordan Love making peanuts, that may be a scary combination. Just from a team-building lens, the Packers can do a lot of things with. So, I don't know, man. One point to add on. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, just just to piggyback on you here, Luke. um, The Vikings are very much behind the rest of their division. That's what I was going to mention. Yeah, in in terms of rebuilding this roster through Mm -hmm. the draft. And Quasi might turn five picks into 10. Like he's, you know, kind of a water into wine situation with, with the way he trades back. But Green Bay, 11 picks, Chicago 10 or Chicago nine. It's Chicago 10, Detroit nine, I think. So between those three teams, they've got 30 picks and the Vikings have five. Um, so they're obviously adding a lot of young talent to those rosters this year and next year. When you think about all they've traded away, those three rosters kind of going, you know, getting rid of their assets and cashing in through the draft. Uh, the Vikings haven't really gone that route yet. Maybe there's a Zadarius and Dalvin move to be made that adds uh, to their draft total before the weekend is done. You can go on tankathon.com, a great NFL draft website. It shows you the value and the combination and rankings. Houston Texans, number one in just draft ammo. Let's just call it draft ammo, draft stock, right? The Detroit Lions and Chicago Bears rank third and fifth in the league. The Packers aren't far behind them at eighth in the league. So all three teams in the division, top 10 in draft ammo, including the Bears and Lions who are top five. The Vikings, by the way, to your point, 30th in the league. The only two teams worse with less draft ammo and draft capital. Denver Broncos, who don't have a first or second from the Russell Wilson trade, and the Miami Dolphins from the Tyreek Hill trade. I just think between all that, you know, just combine everything we both just said, I'm saying watch out, man. Between the Lions having all these young players already, and then more early picks, the Bears with Justin Fields, and now all these picks they got trading down with the Panthers, and now the Packers as well. 
I, I'm just saying, Quasi and the Vikes, I mean, they better start to get really serious about resetting their own salary cap first and foremost with the rookie quarterback if they want to keep up with this rest of the division two, three, four years down the road. That's all I'm saying. Any final thoughts on the division here or these draft implications before we move on? No, not particularly. Um, I think I, I have seen and get 60 seconds on this from you, Luke. Mm-hmm. Peter Bukowski, the Locked On Packers host, has tweeted a lot about the Packers targeting tight end. Um, if the Packers land a Kincaid or a Mayer, Meyer, Mayer, Michael Mayer, Meyer, yeah, yeah, Notre Mayer, Dame. Mm-hmm. Um, would that scare you? Like as an as a as a Vikings follower, them getting the top tight end in the draft, would that be a concern long term? Like, oh, that's a big weapon for them. Uh, this is the best tight end class. Daniel Jeremiah said it maybe a month ago. We've seen in a decade. And if you can get one of the elite, one of the best of the best, one of the two guys at the top, which I think there's a little bit of a drop-off. That's how good Michael Mayer from Notre Dame and Dalton Kincaid are. Michael Mayer, a little bit more polished, was always considered the more consensus number one tight end, clear-cut guy. You get to the combine about a month before the draft itself. Dalton Kincaid from Utah led all tight ends in the nation in receptions and receiving yards. Seems to fit the mold and I guess the blueprint, the build of the new NFL pass-happy league a little bit more. Both of them, though, would be huge additions to any offense. And I think you talked about the lack of offensive weapons Jordan Love has to work with. Yeah, you got a young Christian Watson, a solid running game, maybe you know an above-average offensive line. You get a weapon like that in there, and you hear former quarterbacks tell you all the time, quarterback's favorite friend on the field is a good tight end. So Dalton Kincaid or Michael Mayer, or or it's such a loaded tight end class, maybe they wait until their second-round pick and grab a guy like Darnell Washington, the monster from Georgia, uh, Zach Koontz, you know, on day three, a height-weight speed specimen from Old Dominion. There's a local kid, South Dakota State, Tucker Craft. nobody's talking about, Dane Brugler from The Athletic, one of the most highly regarded you know, NFL draft pundits around, he's got Tucker Craft as a top 50 player. It just goes to show you how deep this tight end class is, whether the Packers take one at the top or whether they wait and get a little bit better value. I, I definitely think the Packers, there's some other teams too in the mix that could be you know, a, a competitor to them. I know the Bengals are looking at a tight end quite a bit. The Cowboys could be in the mix too. The Jaguars seem like a, a kind of a simple, easy fit when you connect the dots. But obviously, they pick well before all four of those teams. So they're going to have first crack, I think, at one of these top tight ends. Will it be Michael Mayer or Dalton Kincaid first? The race for tight end one is still up for grabs. I would be really bummed on draft night in round one if the Packers came away with either one of those guys because I think they're just safe solid players you know what you're going to get for the next six seven years and more importantly you know it's going to help the progression and development of Hendon Hooker so good question I'm glad you asked that of Hendon right. Hooker on the Packers oh Is I'm that sorry a tell? wait a minute what's his Is name that a scoop? I already forgot a his scoop name from Spinman. <laughs> yeah right yeah right yeah hold on Schefter I got the tweet coming in hey how about just real quick <laughs> 10 seconds did you see Schefter report this live on the air with Dan Orlowski and everybody else on NFL Network um, when he yeah. released it, when he got the text, 
in real time give them and the, was releasing the details. Give them the Grammy. Give them the Grammy. No they kidding, had the right? graphic ready. I know. They had the graphic ready. They were making a big show out of it. He had he was pretending to like tap on his phone to find the details. That's what I'm saying. How could Schefter pull up all those details? Such yeah. you know minute details of that trade in what seconds like that on air yeah. like that i'm with you give him the grammy great acting all right coming up we are talking hendon hooker and why rick spielman thinks he could remind fans of a former viking fan favorite but first don't forget we're presented by FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of locked on america's number one sports book and official sports book partner of the nba we already brought it up. Let's finish the convo. Packers dead last to win the NFC North at plus 350. Meanwhile, the Detroit Lions are even money and the odds on favorite, followed by the Vikings and Bears at plus 200 and plus 300, respectively. Get in on all the action at fanduel.com slash locked on. And remember, if you're a new customer, try out the no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win download the easy to use FanDuel app and get your winnings instantly money lines parlays prop bets FanDuel's got everything you need to close out the NBA season's final stretch FanDuel.com slash locked on make every moment more with FanDuel an official sportsbook partner of locked on we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed 93% of employers agree indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent indeed survey and listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash podcast just go to indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash podcast terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed all right, Sam, I don't know if you caught it. Darren Wilson from KSTP sat down with former Vikings GM Rick Spielman. He asked him about the 2023 draft class. Hendon Hooker got brought up, and Spielman said, although you know, I'm not close to the situation, I got no idea what Quasey and KOC in the front office will do. He did say, just from his own evaluation, from everything he's seen and heard, and remember, he's actually sat down with Hooker and talked to a lot of his teammates like Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman as well. He said Hooker, in a lot of ways, reminds him of former Vikings quarterback Teddy Bridgewater when it mm. comes to the intangibles and Sam from everything I've heard from hookers team interviews his whiteboard you know X's and O's his leadership qualities and maturity it's all off the charts so after hearing Spielman connect the dots to Teddy B I don't know does that sway you at all even more so and think the Vikings should run it back on a guy who compares to a local fan favorite from back in the day like Teddy Bridgewater what do you think about this little sit down with Rick Spielman and his thoughts on Hendon Hooker yeah it was interesting um you know Rick has uh, obviously scouted the quarterback position he knows the importance of character when you get and commit to a first round quarterback and give them the keys to your organization you want someone who's going to represent the organization well and give their absolute all. And I think that from everything I've heard as well, there's no doubt that Hendon Hooker is that guy that he's going to show up and he's going to get probably going to attack his rehab right now. He's going to dive into the playbook. And maybe that's a quality too that would help him maybe evolve in terms of a new offense. People are concerned about this offense that that Hendon was in, very simple, not a lot of full field reads. And and maybe this quality, this hardworking 
uh, facet of Hendon Hooker's personality would help him learn something like that. Um, but, you know, again, I think it comes down more so to on-field play and, and what you see from him with his arm, his decision-making, his mobility, and then how that weighs with his age, his injury history, and the Tennessee's limited offense. That's the big question that, that everybody's weighing right now is, uh, is do the, are the red flags worth it for Hendon Hooker? And we talked to Jordan Reed today on the Ron Johnson Show, and he said that a lot of teams, just as a rule, will red flag you if you turn 25 before the draft. And it's kind of a rare situation, but that's Hendon Hooker. So there will be some teams that just disqualify him. Um, Quazy being in a, as analytically minded as he is, I do wonder if he falls in that camp um, where he just, as a rule, he's not going to bring someone in who's, who's that old. That could be the case. I still like Hendon Hooker, though, as a football player. Yeah, a lot of good points there. I'll say this. I love the sit-down with Slick Rick. Shout out to Doogie. He always brings the heat. Go check that clip out, by the way, if you haven't already. It was kind of funny and ironic to hear his comp was, in fact, Teddy Bridgewater, right? A guy so many fans loved and rooted for here. But to be totally honest, for me, I mean, it's not like the clip changed my opinion or evaluation on him whatsoever. You know, I've always liked Hooker. I've always been on him, especially for the Vikings in round one. That's a serious option. I hope it is for me, even if you have to trade up. I don't know what Jordan Reed mentioned about him, but kind of the same conversation we've had over these past two, three weeks. Far from perfect coming from that Josh Heupel offense. I still think, though, especially with a year of grooming behind Kirk, he's got all the tools and intangibles to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. And more importantly, I think than anything else, as we just discussed with the Packers going from Rodgers to Love, if it's not Hooker, then who's it going to be? Because one way or another, either this year or the next, the Vikings have to take a swing on the next quarterback of the future and clear that cap space out because the minute Cousins walks out the door, yo, the guy $28 million in dead cap, that's on the books in 2024. So there's no better time than now. It's too important of a position. Don't get cute. Whether it's Hooker, whether it's Will Levis, moving up if a guy like you know Anthony Richardson slides. I really hope for the future of this team, as we just talked about what the division, the rest of the NFC North is doing right now, we can go to bed Thursday night with a new young quarterback on the roster. I'll just say that. Speaking of uh, Will Levis, just real quick. Rumors are heating up here, Sam. The name Will Levis, it's spreading like wildfire around the draft community all of a sudden. Vikings are rumored to be a team that could go up and trade to go get him. And that's if he's even there because recently, just over the last 24 hours, Levis's odds to be the number one overall pick have skyrocketed. I guess just your quick thoughts, Vikings moving up for Levis or any of those quarterbacks that high. And any chance these rumors, Will Levis, number one overall? Could that be true? Yeah, it looks like the Levis steam came from a Reddit chat room message board. Uh, as always. Thing. What's next? And chat GPT or whatever it is? Yeah, you know, some ask AI, the AI. Yeah. told us that Will Levis is going to be first. Uh, that would be a shocker to me. There's always kind of these last-ditch efforts by someone with an ulterior motive to to shake things up. Maybe it's an agent. Maybe it's someone trying to move the betting line, which this person's obviously done here on the Reddit thread. But we addressed this on the Minnesota football party yesterday with the, the mock that had Levis going second to the Vikings. The amount that you would have to give up to move from 23 to 2. I don't know if you have like a player asset on your roster or the pick arsenal to do that. That, that seems a little extreme for me. 
I think that the situation for the Vikings to move up is if a quarterback like Levis or Richardson drop to 15, then your radar goes up. If, okay, Jets are on the clock at 15. They don't need a quarterback, obviously. Um, then about the, like, the, the, there was a Peter King mock yesterday, Luke, that had Richardson going to the Vikings at 23. Whoa. And, and, I, and I thought that was ludicrous because there's so many quarterback needy teams in the five picks before Minnesota. One of them would take Richardson. You're going to have to trade up, I think, five or so picks if he's falling to make that uh, to make that work. Is that kind of how you see it? Oh, 100%. Shark-infested waters, as I like to say. Tampa Bay, what are they going to do for the future post-Tom Brady era? Seattle and Detroit coming back with their second pick. Kind of a luxury pick at that point. And don't count out the Baltimore Ravens. If something happens with Lamar Jackson, they're going to be an instant desperate need for a quarterback picking right before the Vikes. As far as Will Levis goes, I mean... I hope he goes number one overall. I would just love to see the pandemonium in the crowd and, you know, on Twitter, on social media, if the Panthers shocked the world like that, if Frank Reich kind of swindled and tricked us all for the last two, three months, pulling a 180 and, and not, you know, Bryce Young too short, doesn't fit the mold. I, I go quarterback six foot four or higher. That's always been on my resume. I got to go with the big prototypical build with Will Levis. That would be a a absolute jaw drop. I mean, there's shockers every year, Sam, you know that, but that one would make your jaw drop and I think would go down as one of the all-time just crazy moves in NFL draft history. As far as the Vikes, which you kind of touched on moving up to go get a quarterback, if they are going to give up a King's ransom and just mortgage the future on one guy, there's only one guy you do it for, in my opinion. That is Anthony Richardson because mm -hmm. his potential and ceiling it's unlike anything we've seen in the last 20 years. Uh, I mean, it's Cam Newton and Michael Vick and Dante Culpa all rolled into one guy, one prospect. And I think if you're going to take a big swing, he's the home run ball you want to hit on. He's such a physical specimen, such a raw talent. And to get him under KOC and Wes Phillips, I mean, we think about all the time, how does Hendon Hooker fit with this scheme and this playbook? How does Will Levis fit? It would be awfully enticing and intriguing, and I think a lot of people would just be very curious how KOC, such an elite quarterback mind, found a way to maximize Anthony Richardson's tool set and, and, and best skills on the field. And also, too, dream scenario, you get to let the guy sit for a year again you know, behind Kirk Cousins, so that's nice, too. That's the only guy, though, I could justify moving up for if you're going to give up multiple future first-round picks. He's that good, and I also don't think he's nearly as far away as a lot of people say he is. That's why I don't think he's going to fall all the way to pick 23 or even, you know, past the Titans at 11 is about the furthest I could see him drop. I think ultimately, though, the guy ends up going top four, top five, maybe a team like Vegas or mm -hmm. the Titans or Washington trades up to go get him. I just can't see him getting out of the top five. He's just that good. I can't call him polished by any means. But the guy knows how to throw a football and read defenses better than people want to make him out to be. So it's GGYG season, man. It's go get your guys. Anthony Richardson would be my guy if the Vikings were to move top three, top five, somewhere in that ballpark. But like you said, Sam, what are we talking? It's never been done in draft history. I think the Rams traded from, what, 15-1 to 1 to go get Jared Goff. I think that's the most anyone's traded up all the way into that top two-ish range. I don't even know what it would cost. I mean, what the trade chart doesn't add up. Like you literally can't give enough yeah. to get all the way up there because future firsts lose their value. 
Sure. So there's no amount that you could give up that would actually get the numbers to to align. There would have to be a player involved, or the team would just you know kind of give in and say, "All right, we've we've taken you for enough. We'll take four first round picks. Thank you very much." Right. Right. And I don't know how many years out you can actually trade yeah, like picks three. until they're I think protected. Three is the, the limit. Yeah, yeah. So we're talking what 2025, 2026. Yeah. The point is the fact that we're even talking about 2026 draft picks tells you it's just not realistic. So you need one of these quarterbacks, if not multiple, like you said, to slide into the late teens, make it through those shark infested waters with Seattle, Tampa, Detroit, maybe Baltimore teams like that. Even then you still might have to trade up just a couple spots just to secure your guy. Uh, before we get out of here, Sam, quick trip down memory lane. I want to stroll back to the 2003 draft. Exactly 20 years ago, the Vikings were involved. One of the most bizarre moments in NFL draft history, when they thought they had a deal done with the Ravens to trade down three spots from 7 to 10, Ozzie Newsom, the GM at the time, said, I never confirmed the deal. I didn't call, uh, you know, Paul Tagliabue or whoever the commissioner was at that time. The Vikes clock expires. Their 15 minutes is up. And not only does one team leapfrog them, two teams end up sniping players before them. The Jags took Byron Leftwich. The Panthers took Jordan Gross, an offensive tackle from Utah. Uh, Kevin Seifert just wrote a piece on it. Awesome article up on ESPN. Super fascinated and intriguing, Sam, to see behind the scenes. The fact that Red McCombs, the owner at the time, basically forced Mike Tice and Rob Brzezinski to trade back before the draft really, I think, set the stage for the charades and, you know, cue the circus music for what unfolded because he didn't want to pay his first round pick any more money than he already had to. Basically, the guy was a cheapskate, basically. Yeah. And to be fair, to be fair, though, Sam, I say he was a cheapskate. Back in those days, those rookie deals were insane. Guys like Matt Stafford were getting paid 70 mil guaranteed for going number one overall. But just your thoughts on that article, if you had a chance to check it out, and just what you remember from that draft moment. Yeah, Luke, I, I enjoyed the article by Seifert, really well written, and I loved watching the clip back of ESPN's coverage. I didn't remember that Denny Green was on the panel and he was smiling at the chaos, Luke. He was fired two years prior. He probably knew what was going on a little bit. Maybe he knew McCombs was uh, a little bit of a cheapskate. And uh, he's kind of giggling. Berman has his head in his hands. I remember watching it. Just dumbfounded, not knowing that that could even happen. And then for them to lose not one, but two picks. And in the end, they get their guy. They save the money. They just didn't get the, the value from Baltimore, the fourth round pick, the sixth round pick. Luke, they could have dropped back into the fourth round uh, with pick 109. They could have taken Asante Samuel. They could have had him. They, they could have Asante had Samuel, stud Patriot for, what, 13 years? How about even, I mean, we're in the fourth round now, so you're just throwing up darts on the board. Brandon Lloyd, stud wide receiver for the San Francisco 49ers for all those years. I mean, every pick matters. Who knows? Maybe they trade that for next year's third round pick and end up getting a future starter. Every pick matters. You're right, Sam. It was absolutely crazy. I remember, I'll never forget, my parents were on a trip to Arizona at the time. They had just bought a house. They were going to go check it out. My dad and I, every year, even going back all the way, late 90s, Randy Moss, we would talk about that draft. 
draft. 1999, is it going to be, they really want Chris McAllister, the cornerback. Detroit won't trade with them. They end up taking Dante Culpepper. We looked at all the mocks together leading up to draft weekend. We knew who was available. We knew who we wanted. It was Terrell Suggs from Arizona State. Mm-hmm. I just remember, like you said, watching from home, down in the basement on the tube TV, Chris Berman, Mel Kuyper, Chris Mortensen, and of all people, Denny Green, too, just got canned, what, a year, maybe two years prior by the Vikings? Yeah. They're all losing their mind, as you mentioned. They'd never seen anything like it. Kuyper's saying, I've been covering the draft for 25 years, never seen anything like this. This is absolutely nuts and wild. And I remember calling my dad in Arizona, trying to explain the situation and scenario, what was going on. He couldn't believe it. And then the fact, after all this, Suggs is still available on the board, and mm-hmm. we pass on him. A Kyle Hamilton. I mean, it just every year these picks haunt me. Guys, that always the Ravens, somehow, isn't it? It's always the Ravens too. <laughs> Guys that somehow make it all the way there. Lamar Jackson. I had a huge draft crush on. They make it all the way to the Vikings in their lap, and they pass on them. They don't pull the trigger. It was a heartbreaker at the time. People were ticked off. It mentions in the article one of the best bits in there. That when Tice got to the draft party, he gets interviewed by Paul Allen. Everyone's booing him. And that's where the infamous soundbite of him saying, okay, okay, everyone calm down. That's where that came from that night. They still play that to this day. Mm -hmm. As you mentioned, though, 20 years ago to the weekend, Vikings, you know, they were the embarrassment. They were the laughingstock of the draft. I feel like Tice can say he got the last laugh, or the Vikings did anyways. They nailed the pick, obviously. K-Dubs. Heck of a career, gets inducted into the Ring of Honor just a few years ago. And you mentioned the lack of fourth-round pick. They missed out on maybe Asante Samuel or Brandon Lloyd. This was, though, one of their best draft classes of the past two decades. Kevin Williams, Ring of Honor. E.J. Henderson in the second round, stud Mm -hmm. linebacker from Maryland until he busted up his knee. Nate Burleson in the third round from Nevada. They pair him up with Randy Moss for the next four or five years. And Ontario Smith. The Wizenator. Plenty of cheap laughs yeah. from that pick as well. So uh, it was still top to bottom a great draft haul. Although, obviously, again, they had to cue the circus music to get there in the first place. Just a wild and crazy story that I think the big takeaway for me, I hope fans listening keep this in the back of their mind on draft night or all draft weekend for that matter. The owners have just as much say in these picks as the GM and the head coach. And ultimately, at the end of the day, the owners always get the final say. So McCombs made them trade back in 2003. Who knows what the Wolves are thinking or saying as far as a new quarterback goes. Maybe they want the consistency and the comfort of having Kirk Cousins around for a few more years and knowing they'll be competitive. They'll for sure win seven, eight, nine games, no matter what. That's the floor right there. Who knows? But I would love to be a fly in the wall in that war room this Thursday night just to see again how much influence, how much authority the Wilfs end up playing in the Vikings' first pick in round one. Something to think about, something to chew on, just as well, the, the countdown. The Vikings the Entertainment continues. Network, they release the videos, Lou. You've seen them. You yeah. see the, the war room videos, yeah. and they don't show all of the, the back and forth, but you notice in those videos – Who's sitting right next to the coach and GM? Right in the thick, front it's row. It's the Wilfs. You think they're just sitting there being quiet? Mm-mm. You think they're just sitting there like like they're in a church pew, just like taking it in, just <laughs> well, being silent? No, well, they're talking. Well, you know what's funny and ironic about that? Actually, in that clip, right, of the footage we saw, 
it felt like they were almost giving Kwesi quite a long leash. Remember, this is his first draft, a lot of excitement, just drafted the guy, a lot of analytics, good background. Maybe we should just let him do his thing. You know, we we kind of got in the weeds a little bit with Spielman and Zimmer towards the end. Fresh start, hitting the reset button. Let's just let him do his job. And I feel like they give him a really long leash. And I wouldn't be surprised if they were just as disappointed as everybody else when they didn't get what they felt like was enough draft compensation from moving all the way from 12 to 32, not getting next year's first, or at least a pick next year, which is now this year's draft from Detroit. And maybe not the happiest if you're going to take a safety like Lewisine anyways, not just taking Kyle Hamilton. So I wonder how it did play out. Again, would love to be a fly in the wall, but you're right. They are right in the thick of it. And again, something that never gets discussed when we talk about draft picks. Always hammer the head coaches, What's their fit? What's their style? What's their background? What's their resume? Always hammer the GMs. We never talk about the owners, and I think the owners play a far bigger factor in these draft picks than maybe fans realize. Just something to chew on again as the countdown to draft weekend continues. Uh, great stuff, Sam, per usual. We got the, uh, what, breaking news soundbite? Lay it on me. It's not real breaking news, but it's the petty, the ex-Viking petty tweet of the day. Sure. Chris White is bitter. Chris Boyd is bitter. Did you see this? Chris Boyd. A little bit. I, I saw people quote tweeting him a little bit. What's what's he griping about now? I, I, I thought I thought the Vikings fans did him pretty solid. Uh, I thought we were in his good graces, were we not? We are, and he makes note of that. He doesn't like the front office, though. Uh, he said, I want to show my excitement and get engaged with everyone and the fan base ASAP, and he's referring to Arizona, but the way Minnesota did me got me not even wanting to open up. And then he follows that up with, let me be clear, the fan base is the greatest. The staff in the Vikings facility is whom I speak of, the ones who make the decisions. Whoa. Hello. Mm. Okay. Excuse now, me? If I'm I'm looking at it from my perspective, hmm. I don't think the team not like unless unless they told him directly, Chris, we are re-signing you, and then didn't. I'm not sure that Chris has a whole, like a, a, a real strong leg to stand yeah, on. Is this just a disgruntled ex-employee at this point who's just yeah. bummed? He didn't, you know, I see you got the weak cornerback room. You need depth. You need bodies. I balled out on special teams. You're going to sign me back on the cheap, right? No, no new era. We're hitting the reset button. It, it, maybe it's just one of these, again, disgruntled ex-employee kind of thing. Or maybe there is something to it. I don't know. Your, your quick thoughts, I guess. I don't know. Um, I would say this sounds like a communication issue. It sounds like Chris Boyd, if I'm reading between the lines, believed something was going to happen that didn't happen. Maybe he was misled, feels like he was lied to, um, but it, we may never know. If he's just upset that the Vikings didn't re-sign him, um, yeah, sorry, I, I don't. I just don't know if he was a main priority. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's one of those... I don't know. Burn me once, shame on you. Burn me twice, shame on me. We'll see. My point is, if there's multiple players that come out down the road, mm -hmm. could be this offseason, next year, two years, three years down the road. If you hear multiple players speak about the same topic in a poor light, then I think there's a little bit more gas to be put on the fire. As of right now, I'm just chalking it up to somebody who's just bummed out. He couldn't stick around 
in Minnesota. Great stuff with you per usual, Sam. Love talking draft, breaking all this stuff down. Countdown is on less than 48 hours until round one of the 2023 NFL Draft. Remember, we're going to have full coverage top to bottom all weekend long. Go subscribe if you haven't already up on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. It'll be myself, Sam Ekstrom, Luke Braun, Arif Hassan. We'll all be up there chopping it up and breaking down every single Vikings pick that comes in all weekend. That's a wrap today. Remember to like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Join us every day for another episode of the Football Party, your one-stop shop breakdown of everything Minnesota Vikings. Hey, we're a podcast too, free and available, all platforms. Subscribe, drop us that five-star review, and find us now streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for and download our Locked On Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's the man, Sam Ekstrom, on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom. Check him out every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, co-host of the Ron Johnson Show. Thanks for tuning in to the football party, part of the Locked On Sports Minnesota Network. Hey, we're back tomorrow with the mailbag edition of the football party with Kara Levin's Reggie Wilson. But until then, I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman, signing out. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.